Hello, Dr. Lewis here, your medical scientist from Health Revival Partners, your chronic disease prevention and reversal company, and I'm also chief science officer of a very robust telehealth platform, virtual care called GoMD. And today I'd like to discuss the coronavirus and how immunocompromised are you? All the pundits are talking about people who are dying or having very severe conditions are immunocompromised. So let's dive into that. What exactly is that? So what does immunocompromised mean? I'll look at what does having a chronic condition mean in the context of immunocompromised? What is Harvard Medical School measuring when they have COVID-19 patients in their hospital system? What are they looking at? And how to test for your immune status? What is your, what is your uh, immune status? Are you immunocompromised? So I want to go into how immunocompromised are you? So what does immunocompromised mean? And I'm going to create about five seconds of awkward silence right now as you contemplate in your, from your perspective, what does immunocompromised mean to you? So I left that awkward silence. You could really contemplate what immunocompromised means to you and in general context, because most people can't describe it. We know what immunodeficiency means because of the HIV AIDS crisis, but what is immunocompromised? And I think it's fair to say that we all live on a continuum of perfect immune health to highly compromised and everything in between. So where do you lie on that scale and how can we test you or otherwise gather data so you can understand where you are on that continuum? So I want to look at first because the most obvious is you have a chronic condition. So what does having a chronic condition mean in the context of your immunocompromised status and your potential severity of a severe COVID-19 condition or even dying from COVID-19? So first of all, having a diagnosed condition is a fairly good barometer for your immunocompromised status. And I would argue that since people with no health conditions die at this rate, this is from early studies, it may be lower, maybe higher, most likely lower based on lack of testing, to 10.5%. So there's a 1,200% a increase in death from the coronavirus between the healthy and the ill. That looking at your current disease status, is somewhat predictive. But we have a lot of overlapping conditions. How do you measure and parameterize all these things in creating a risk? And obviously, something I harp on every time is if we can reverse these conditions, not manage them with drugs, then that is our best hope against any virus or any severe condition because the current flu shot this year is only 58% effective against the most virulent strain, the most unique strain that's causing the flu this year. So here's the other problem with using conditions, bona fide, well-established conditions to measure where you are on the immunocompromised scale. Because according to Peterson Kaiser Foundation, 
ill-defined conditions, and you know if you have it, you haven't been diagnosed with circulatory diseases, heart disease, but you feel lousy all the time. These conditions lead as the most common diagnosis in chronic conditions, showing up 18% of the time. And this is really a measure of how much these conditions cost the healthcare system. So these are the most costly and most prolific conditions. So how do you measure your immunocompromised status based on your health if your conditions are ill-defined? It's a lot harder. Not, not everybody has a bona fide or diagnosable chronic condition. Does it mean they're healthy? Not necessarily. This chart is from the Healthcare Cost Institute looking at data from 2014 to 2015. And what it basically showed is that people who have very low healthcare costs, that means they probably feel pretty good, they're not going to the doctor a lot, they're not receiving a lot of drugs, medications, and they're not undergoing interventions, that of the top healthcare spenders the next year, 61% came from this low spending category. So what this really says is that chronic illness, even though it's chronic, strikes suddenly, comes out of the blue. So now when you think about your risk for COVID-19, you're using cardiovascular disease as a barometer, you may not have been diagnosed with cardiovascular disease, yet it can come on suddenly. And here's a case, I apologize for, the, um, for using uh, Dr. Tyson in this case, but here's a gentleman who was at the top of the healthcare ladder, chairman and chief executive of Kaiser Permanente, who died in his sleep, apparently of a heart attack at the age of 60. So to the point of this chart, he was a low spender and probably not even diagnosed with chronic conditions. And suddenly he didn't become a high spender, but he, he died, you know, unfortunately. If he hadn't died, he would have become a high spender because of the need for a bypass and stents and all these other things. So just going by your chronic health status is not adequate to determine where you are on the immunocompromised scale or the immunocompromised continuum. So what is Harvard Medical School doing in terms of measurements? They are measuring for risk. And here's a doctor workup or treatment guidance. And it's a detailed document, but I clipped out the important thing. So this is what they're doing for risk stratification. You've come into their hospital, Harvard Hospital, Mass General, one of the top hospitals in the world, with COVID-19, and you're pretty ill. So they're going to risk stratify you because some people may not progress symptomatically. Some people may die, no matter what the doctors do as an intervention. So Harvard knows that they can do certain tests and it gives them a much better feeling for what path that person's on. D-dimer, it's a clotting factor. We use fibrinogen, by the way, which is very similar to D-dimer. Ferritin, what is ferritin all about? It's iron storage. And when you're infected, you'll oftentimes see what's called anemia of chronic disease where your ferritin numbers will go up. CRP, C-reactive protein, that is an inflammatory marker, particularly in your vessels. That'll be peaked in infection. ESR, sedimentation rate, a very good sign for infection, malabsorption, and it's kind of a measure of the robustness of the batteries, the electrical potential of every cell. And a person with a High said rate, that's a real sick person. They also do 
LDH and uh, troponin, which are really enzymes to look at uh, tissue deterioration. We do that as well, but a little differently. We use the eye as a barometer for tissue degradation or pathological changes in your body. They also do a complete blood count with differential. This is daily to look at lymphocyte counts because your lymphocytes decrease in the face of cancer and viruses. And there's clearly a link between the two. Metabolic panel and then kidney liver function testing is pretty common with these uh, with viruses. So how do you test for your immune status? And we have a test for that. And I encourage folks to consider measuring your immunocompromised status through our testing. So we call it the chronic disease temperature. And we give you a single score based on the amalgamation of 20 markers, similar to the markers that Harvard is using to work up patients for risk stratification and daily measurement of how their disease is progressing or regressing. So here's fibrinogen, a surrogate for the D-dimer. Here's the SED rate. Here's the CRP. Here's the white blood cell counts. We don't report lymphocytes on this part of the report, but this report is just a piece of what we do. But we do the neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio, which is an extremely amplified signal that Dana-Farber at Harvard's doing. So anyway, we have the ability to measure across multiple markers that talk, talk about inflammation and immunocompromised status. And we call it your chronic disease temperature, but it could be is easily called your immuno health status. So I just want to give you an example. Here's on our report, Understanding Your Labs. Our markers are based on an increase in excess mortality. And then your total score is based on a combination of excess early mortality that the constellation of these markers are telling us. And then we'll do something like before and after to show you that our intervention is improving and affecting for you an improvement in your chronic disease risk and really your immune compromise status. So I'm just going to give you an example of one of the markers that we use. It's red blood cell distribution width. And it's really interesting because a red blood cell is a disc and your capillaries are very, very narrow vessels. And in fact, this is a picture in the retina your red blood cells have to literally squeeze to go through a capillary. They have to squeeze. So let's say this capillary is inflamed or placked up or otherwise narrowed, okay? Your red blood cell distribution width is going to be enlarged. So red blood cell distribution is a really good test to understand the life and times of your red blood cells as they course through your body over a four-month period but also how much inflammation is in the uh, red, uh, rather the blood cell membrane, the endothelial tissue. So when you look at red blood cell distribution, a lot of doctors consider it a test for anemia, but the studies I've done show that it's really predictive, and most studies look at red blood cell distribution width for its, um, it as a scale or a barometer for cardiovascular diseases. And here's a mortality curve as your red blood cell distribution width goes up. And everybody obviously wants to be at the lowest level. And this is our normal value for red blood cell distribution width. And you can see there's a five-fold increase in mortality risk 
as you go up. But interestingly, the standard of care, your normal reference range when you go to your doctor and get a red blood cell distribution with through a complete blood count with differential is, as far as I'm concerned, an inadequate range. It's not protecting you because there's very high long-term mortality risk, particularly in the sick, when your red blood cell distribution with is still normal within the standard of care. But I can assert to you that curves like this is what compelled us to create our ideal range. You can see this is 2.5 and above. We want you to be at or below 2.5. So that's a little example of how we're measuring with a magnifying glass your immunosusceptibility, how immunocompromised you are. Not only are we using a broad array of labs, but we're drilling down to see where these labs are truly normal versus where they can imply an increased risk in mortality, which we titrate back to inflammation and your immunohealth status. So I'm from MIT. My medical team that helped me derive these algorithms were all Harvard Medical School professors of advanced age, quite a bit of an experience. So our chronic disease temperature or immunocompromised algorithm was designed by this extensive and uh, well-schooled team. And if you want to get the test, here is the link to our chronic disease temperature test, which also includes a consult, 55 biomarkers, half-hour consult, give you a single number. It's your metric to see if you're heading in the right direction, if you're affecting interventions, color-coded report, summary explaining each biomarker, and chart showing you where you are versus the ideal values so you can see where, where to focus. So it's a robust set of tests and reporting that follows the testing. So Dr. Tom Lewis here, medical scientist, GoMD, and Health Revival Partners. I hope you found this interesting. I think it's important that everybody gets tested. Everybody gets tested for not only for COVID-19, but for their immune status because medications may not be widely available and we don't know exactly how efficacious they are. But I will tell you this, your immune status will determine how well the medications will work, but more importantly, how vulnerable you are to having severe symptoms or actually dying from COVID-19. Thank you very much for your time.